Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Christmas Eve many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound, a sound I was afraid I'd never hear. to the North Pole, of course. This is the Polar Express! Alright guys, welcome back to the 12 Days of Christmas Movies. This is episode 9 where we'll be discussing the Polar Express. Sorry, you just got Jimbo again. We couldn't work things out time-wise, scheduling-wise, so here we go. We'll do it justice. The Polar Express, release date November 10th, 2004. Budget $165 million estimated. Opening weekend USA, $23 million estimated. The gross USA, $187 million estimated. 
cumulative worldwide gross $313 million. This was directed by Robert Zemeckis, and for those of you that remember and have been listening, uh, he did Forrest Gump and also Back to the Future, as well as a couple of other ones. The writing credits was Chris Van Allysburg for the book, Robert Zemeckis and William Boyce Jr. for the screenplay. And now off to some of the technical specs. If you guys hear a little sniffling, I'm still pretty sick, so I'm trying to get this done with my nose not dripping everywhere, so... Uh, the runtime is one hour and 40 minutes. Uh, the sound mix was DTS, uh, Dolby Digital, uh, SDDS, uh, the IMAX 6-track, um, the one to, or 12-track digital sound. Color is color. The aspect ratio is 178 to 1 for TV version, 2.00 to 1 for the IMAX version cropped, and 2.39 to 1. The laboratory is Consolidated uh, Film Industries, or CFI, from Hollywood, California. Uh, USA IMAX Prints, Technicolor, Hollywood, California, and the USA Prints. The negative format is digital. Cinematographic process is IMAX uh, Digital 3D. Printed film format, 35 millimeters anamorphic, Kodiak Vision uh, 2383, 70 millimeters horizontal, IMAX DMR blow-up, dual strip 3D, Kodak Vision 2383, IMAX Digital, IMAX Laser, and now we're going to go off to the awards. There is a ton of awards, so I'm not going to touch them all. I'm going to hit the most important ones, or we'd be here all day. The Academy Awards, uh, USA 2005, nominee for the Oscar for the Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Original Song, Glenn Ballard and Alan Silvestri for the song Believe. Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, William B. Kaplan, Randy Tom, Tom Johnson, Dennis S. Sands. And Best Achievement in Sound Editing, Randy Tom and Dennis Leonard. It was also nominated for a Golden Globe in 2005 and nominated for the Best Original Song Motion Picture for Glenn Ballard and Alan Silvestri for Song Believe. The BAFTA Awards 2005 nominated for the BAFTA Children's Award Best Feature Film Steve Starkey and Robert Zemeckis. The AARP Movies for Grownups Awards 2005. Man, I never thought I'd hear about the AARP. Uh, nominated for Movies for Grownups Best Movie for Grownups Who Refused to Grow Up or Old. That would be me. Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 2005. It was a nominee for the Best Animated Film and the Best Music, Alan Silvestri. The Annie Awards, a nominee for the Annie for Animated Effects for Matt Houston. Uh, let's see here. The Bambi Awards, it won the Bambi for the uh, Film for International, Tom Hanks. Broadcast Film Critics Awards, Association Awards 2005, it was nominated. Uh, best Song, Josh Groban for the song Believe, and also for the Best Animated Feature. The Gold Derby Awards, 2005, for, uh, nominated for Animated Feature. Uh, Golden Schmoes Award, 2004. It won the Golden Schmoes for the Best Animated Movie of the Year. The Grammy Awards, 2006. It was a winner for the Best Song Written for Motion Picture, Televisual, uh, Visual Media, Glenn Ballard, Alan Silvestri, and Josh Groban for the song Believe. International Film Music Critics Award, the IFMCA 2005. It was the best original score for a fantasy and science fiction for Alan Silvestri. Uh, Motion Picture Sounded Editors 2005, nominated for the Golden Reel Award for the best sound editing in a feature film for animated. And there is a slew of these people, so I don't want to butcher any other names, uh, but it, did, uh, it was nominated for that. Uh, let's see. The People's Choice Awards in 2005 uh, nominated for the Favorite Animated Movie. The Satellite Awards in 2005 for Best uh, Motion Picture Animated or Mixed Media for another nominee for the uh, Best Original Song. The Stinkers Bad Movie Award 2004 
the worst song or uh, song performance in a film, Glenn Ballard and Alan Silvestri for Hot Chocolate, and also for the worst Christmas movie of all time. Um, they won some vis- more visual effects. Uh, the World Soundtrack Awards in 2005, it was a nominee for Best Original Song Written for the Film, for Believe. And the Young Artist Award, it was a winner for the Jackie Koenigan Award and for the uh, winner for the Special Award. The Outstanding Young Ensemble in a New Medium, Jimmy Bennett, Josh Hutcherson, Dante Pastulia, Daryl Sabara, Dylan Cash, Connor Mathias, Isabella Peregrina, Evan Sabara, Ashley Holloway, Hayden McFarland, Jimmy Jacks Pinchak, Chantel Vadivizio, to the Young Motion Performances Capture and Voice Artists. Um, this is this sets some. We'll talk about it a little bit, but this sets some uh, some records for being the first and like in this world book of records and stuff. But we'll talk about it. Uh, the synopsis of this movie: On Christmas Eve, a young boy boards the Polar Express to the North Pole to learn about friendship and about the magic of Christmas. Uh, Tom Hanks uh, plays the hero boy uh, for the motion capture only. Uh, the hero boy's father, the conductor, hobo, Scrooge puppet, Santa Claus, and the narrator. Uh, Daryl Sabara as the hero boy uh, voice, and Josh Hutcherson as hero boy additional motion capture. Leslie Zamuckas, who is Robert's wife, as Sister Sarah, motion capture only, and hero boy's mother. Isabel Perrin as Sister Sarah, the voice, and Ashley Hollowell as uh, Sister Sarah, additional motion capture. Eddie Deason as the know-it-all. Uh, Jimmy Jacks Panthrum as know-it-all additional motion capture. So as you see here, there's a bunch of people here that um, are, do dual rows or what uh, roles. Um, and I'll skip a lot of these, but the one I want to point out is there is a special uh, appearance by Steven Tyler. Yes, that's Steven Tyler as the elf lieutenant and an elf singer. So there's a bunch of other casts, and I don't want to take the time to do this without fear of dripping all over the pages. So the film is listed in the 2006 Guinness World Book of Records as the first all-digital capture film where all acted parts were done in digital capture. This is the first time it was ever done. Uh, the Hebrew boy's real name is never mentioned. However, according to books containing information about the Polar Express, including art books and fact books, Hero's boy's name is Chris, after the novel's author Chris Van Allesburg. Uh, the film used 3D motion capture techniques to digitally record the actor's physical performances before skinning them with their animated forms. The children's roles were acted by adults using oversized props to get the movement right. So there you see... The, the digital and the production and the, 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 the time it took and the technique it took to get this film done is pretty amazing. Uh, this is the third film uh, that Tom Hanks has been in that was directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, you guessed it. The previous films were Forrest Gump and Cast Away. Uh, three different actors play the role of Hero Boy. Tom Hanks does the motion capture as adult voice. Daryl Shabra as the acting voice. Uh, and Josh Hetron does the additional motion capturing. Uh, a closer examination of the ticket reveals um, numbers that they all contain the numbers 1225 or 1225. Uh, Pierre Marquette number 1225 was used as a model for the Polar Express locomotive 12-25 also refers to the date of Christmas, December 25th. Uh, some viewers speculate that the time conductor travel or the conductor time traveled. His voice is heard in an older version of the main protagonist, as he could have gone back in time to help himself off. And with Robert Zemeckis, um, Back to the Future, um, we all know that he did that. And there's some subtle nods to that, as we'll soon find out. In the scene where the engineer and the fireman are trying to grab the pin necessary for the train throttle, in the background you can see a working flux capacitor. This is a reference to Back, a reference to back to the Future and can possibly mean that the Polar Express is a functioning time machine. How interesting. Uh, this is Michael Jetter's uh, last movie. 
like I said, this is the first feature-length film to be released in both 35mm and IMAX 3D. It was also the first anime film to use performance capture technology. Uh, the movie is based on the book The Polar Express. Author Chris Van Alsberg uh, also wrote Jumanji and Zathura. So um, those are two movies that we probably will cover sometime at the point on this podcast. When the Hebrew boy falls asleep, the clock in his bedroom reads 1020, the same time as the clock in Scrooge's bedroom when Marley's ghost appears in the uh, Alistar Sim version of A Christmas Carol in 1951. So that's pretty interesting. So this is some more stuff about time travel. Uh, the close shots of Hero Girl's train ticket floating in the air are a nod to the trademark shots of a feather doing the same in Forrest Gump in 1994, which also starred Tom Hanks. And you can go back and listen to our episode on Forrest Gump. Uh, when the hero bo- uh, boy pulls the train whistle, he says, I want to do that my whole life. It's a nod to uh, Back to the Future 3 uh, when uh, Doc Brown does it in that Robert Zemeckis film. He does the same thing. Uh, Billy is the only person aboard the Polar Express, passenger or crew member, who is identified by name. I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, the locomotive in the movie is based on the Para Marquette 1225, a restored steam locomotive located in Owasso, Michigan, or, or Minnesota. I should have looked at that. Many of the film's train sound effects are recordings on the actual train. The train runs between Owasso and nearby Ashley during the holiday season. So you can actually hear the whistles and stuff. Uh, the, the the musical theme that's heard throughout the movie is the same one that was used, heard in Elf when the Santa sleigh finally gets airborne heading south over Fifth Avenue. Uh, this is Warner Brothers' first computer animated film. Uh, directors uh, Robert Zemeckis' wife Leslie uh, voices both heroes, boys, mom, and sisters. So that's a little fun fact. Um, the, one of the cool things I found was that Rob Reiner was actually attached to direct, but then he dropped out. I kind of wonder what kind of uh, movie it would have been if Rob Reiner would have been at the helm. Uh, then we talked about Steven Tyler already. And last but not least, all the characters, when they ring the bell, hold it by the bell instead of the ribbons. The bell will not ring if this is done. So just a little a little shut up. Um, I know this is a little bit shorter episode. I'm sick. I'm trying to fight this. There's a lot more stuff I could say about this. Um, but we're on a time crunch right now. And just by myself, um, I think I've only seen this movie one time. I know a lot of people think uh, it has become a holiday classic. I know some people that get in their pajamas. I think it's Christmas Eve. Get in their pajamas. Uh, the family does. And to sit down with hot chocolate. And they'll watch this movie. Uh, and then or they'll go see Christmas lights. Go to Starbucks or whatever. So um, from what I remember, it was an okay movie. It's not one of my favorites. But, you know, then again, it's a Christmas movie. It, it, not everybody has to have the same favorite. Um, except Die Hard because that's not a Christmas movie. Right, Sam? So... Um, yeah, it, it was okay. Um, I like Tom Hanks. I usually like anything Tom Hanks is in. And, of course, Robert Zemeckis does some amazing directing. Um, so it, it was okay. And for it to be in the Guinness World Book of Records um, and, and hold those records for being the first digital, the first Warner Brothers animated um, musical or whatever, uh, it says something about the movie. So, I mean, there you have it. Um, I'll get Terrence's thoughts maybe on a, the wrap-up show about this uh, so we can throw in his two cents. Um, but with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close. Uh, be on the lookout tomorrow because episode 10 will be dropping and it is a Christmas story. We had special guest Eric Cummings come in and, and talk with me and Terrence over that. It's also one of my favorites too. So with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close and that's a wrap and cut.